today. So open your Bibles this morning to uh, Luke chapter 2. If you thought we were done with the Christmas story, you were incorrect. We are going to wrap things up today, but uh, as we approach the new year, just hours away now, I know for many of us, our thoughts are drifting towards that new year and what will it bring and what do we need to change and some people have already set their goals and some have new year's resolutions and for other people it's just a a passing of another day a notch in time and we're on with the next day a change of the way that we annotate the date uh, on our checks and whatnot if you write checks a lot of y'all don't do that anymore sorry that doesn't work Um, some of what happened this last year was probably a total surprise to you unexpected things some of it you had planned for Uh, some of it was a total surprise even in the life of our church but the good news is our God is never surprised this morning we're going to talk about the fact that God's timing is perfect and I pray that you enter 2024 filled with convictions about the hope that we find in him his direction for our lives the mission that he has for you and me individually and for this church I pray that you'll be joining me and be excited for what God's going to do as we go through even a transition here at Crossroad. But as we move into Luke chapter 2, what I hope today is to help us to understand a little bit. There's a lot going on in our lives right now that we weren't ready for. Some people have lost loved ones in the worst way here during the last two weeks. We've had, we had five people that I know of that passed in a six-day period leading into Christmas. Those people did not enjoy the holiday the way that you might have enjoyed the holiday. And so today I want to speak to us about God's timing, uh, not so much His will because we know that His will will be done. Uh, But we're going to talk about His timing and I want you to open to Luke chapter 2. We've all been reading the story about Mary and Joseph going to Bethlehem and the birth of Christ. And I want to talk about God and His timing and how Christmas, more beautifully perhaps than any other story, teaches us how God does all things very well in his time. In Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria when all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone in his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because it was of the house of David and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. I want to call your special attention to verse 6 and 7. It says, And it came to pass, about, it came about while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now in Galatians chapter 4, Paul says, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive his adoption as sons. If Christmas is about anything, Christmas is about God's sovereign timing in the lives of mankind. Audra just shared with you, and I did not talk to her about what was in my sermon notes this morning. This is how God's Holy Spirit worked. I have Ephesians, I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 spelled out here in my notes. Everything she shared with you during prayer time about God having a time for everything, a time to give birth and a time to die, etc., etc. This is all, this was the first book 
that I ever spoke about when I began teaching a Sunday school class well over 30 years ago, John Brungart, sitting in the back, will tell you he was in shock that this young guy who didn't have any experience whatsoever stood up and decided it was time to speak on the book of Ecclesiastes. God has a time and a place for each and every one of us. Years ago, I heard Pastor John Maxwell, he was at Skyline Church at the time, he's written so many leadership books. He gave a sermon about God's timing, and it has stuck with me ever since. You're going to get some of that today. Do not mind at all stealing what Pastor John said and sharing it with you because it was incredibly good. But in the author of Ecclesiastes goes that if you follow to verse 11 in that book, he says, He has made everything appropriate in its time, and he has set eternity in the heart of man. Now, that's an amazing statement. He says, God has made everything appropriate in his time, showing that God is aware of everything, even the very moments of your life and mine. I mean, he knows the seconds of our lives, and he says everything is appropriate in its time. Throughout the word of God, such infinitesimal care and details, and yet in the same sense, the same God who knows every moment of your time and my time has set eternity, he says, in our hearts it's a picture of god knowing the very smallest minute details of our lives and being in control of them in his sovereignty and it's a picture of god saying in the same sense i've said eternity in the heart it's the big picture and it's the small picture all together now how does that relate to christmas you want to know if you look at chapter 2 verse 7 it says she gave birth to her firstborn son and looking back at that, it speaks about the timing of God and the pregnancy of Mary. The days were completed for her to give birth. In other words, the nine-month gestation period for her was over. The timing of God in the very details of everyday life. You look at, again, Galatians. It says, when the fullness of time had come, this is the timing of God in his eternal plan. He knows our moments, but he's also able to see us in the whole scope of eternity. Look at Mary for just a moment. And I can look at her and see that for Mary, God's timing in her life was inconvenient. I want you to bear with me and think about this now. God's timing in her life was inconvenient. When we look at the daily interaction of God in our lives, sometimes, is it not true, we see things happen to us and we back up and we say, this is not the right time for this to be happening in my life. How true this is. Let's give you some examples about Mary. I wrote down just a few. It's not an exhaustive list, but let me just give you four or five. This was not the right time for Mary to have a child. Her marriage was not yet consummated. It's not just the right time for her to bear a son. She, hasn't, she and Joseph, they're not married yet. The birth of her child is going to take place in occupied territory. It's not even going to be at home where she has her security. It's going to be in a place that's occupied by others. Not exactly the place that she wanted to give birth to her child. There was a census that had totally disrupted all of their plans. Again, we've shared before that it was the tradition in that day and age. It would have been a celebrated event in the life of Mary and Joseph. She would have been at home. There would have been people all around her, relatives to take care of her and to love her. But this census has disrupted all of that. And now uh, she's going to have this baby. In, she was, she was going to have the baby in Nazareth, but now she has to pull up and go to Bethlehem. And it's a strange town, and there's no support system there. She, for all likelihood, Mary had never been there before. There's not adequate housing, we know, from what we have shared before. They go to the inn, they're told there's no place for them. 
In the short term, if you would stop and say, Mary, what do you think about the timing of God for the birth of the Christ child? I guarantee you, Mary would be saying to you, it don't seem to be the right time to me. How many of us in our lives, with many events, look back at God and say, this simply wasn't the right time? And I'm here to tell you that we usually get one piece of the puzzle and then God's sovereignty and God's timing have to be considered. Many of the things that will happen to you and many of the things that happen to me, we just shake our heads and we say, I don't understand this in my life. And we're going to come back to that at the end of this message. But let's, let's talk about the big picture. See, in light of prophecy, in light of prophecy, the timing was perfect. In light of prophecy, this birth of Jesus was just, it was perfect. Here, let, let me show you some things. In the Old Testament said that the Messiah would come and he would emerge victorious in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. As soon as Adam and Eve fell in the garden and sinned against God, God said, don't worry, I have a plan. And the prophecy, the very first prophecy of the Messiah is found in Genesis 3, 15. That the, the Messiah would come from the nation of Israel. That's in Genesis 12. Remember when God spoke to Abraham and told Abraham about his descendants? This is a prophecy that's going to come full, come true. God's timing and his plan are perfect and it's up to us whether or not we're going to acknowledge that. And he would come from the tribe of Judah, that, of Judah that's found in Genesis chapter 49. This is the story about Jacob gathering his 12 sons together. And he began to prophesy concerning their future. And he brought his fourth son in, Judah. And when he brought him in, he told Judah the scepter would never be taken out of the hand of Judah. Literally, that the Messiah would be born out of the tribe of Judah, which indeed came to pass. That the Messiah would come from the house of David. Ten centuries before Jesus' birth, David wanted to build a temple. We know the story. God said, no, you're a warrior king. Your son Solomon will build the temple. And David was disappointed. And in his disappointment, God said, but let me tell you something, David. It will be from your house and your lineage that the Messiah will come. The Messiah was prophesied would be born of a virgin. Isaiah said that, and it happened. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Micah said that. In Micah, it said the Messiah would come. But thou, Bethlehem, out of thee shall come forth into me that which is to become the ruler of Israel. It was prophesied that the Messiah would be visited and honored by wise men. Isaiah predicted that and prophesied that, and so did the psalmist. And in light of that prophecy, the timing of God was at the right place, and it was at the right time. But even, I think, more significantly, it was looked back on this side of history. In light of the history, the timing and the birth of Christ was perfect. And Paul said in Galatians, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Maybe you haven't stopped to consider and read your Bible and understand some of the things that were happening that God orchestrated. And he does this in our lives, but it's so hard for us to see it so many times. The birth of Jesus came at just the right time. You don't look at that point in time at history at some facts. We had the spreading of the Jewish people in the Mediterranean basin. The diaspora, it's called. The scattering of the Jews had taken place right before the birth of Christ. The Jewish people were dispersed throughout the Roman Empire. And these are now going to be beds of evangelism throughout the Roman Empire to take the word of God, the Christianity, the birth of Christ, and spread it into the known world. The Jews were dispersed, they were scattered because they were being persecuted, and if they would have all stayed in the same place, evangelism would have stayed right there. But it was through the sovereignty of God, 
He said, before I allow my son to be born into this world, I'm going to spread these Jewish people out throughout all these little small communities throughout the Roman Empire. For the first time, there was a favorable legal environment when Jesus was born. And when I talk about that, you have to understand under the Roman Empire, there were all kinds of different peoples that had been conquered. It was a massive empire, and they, they conquered different nationalities and different peoples and different religions. And they were pretty tolerant towards all of those people with one exception. One exception. All religious sects and groups were to proclaim Caesar as God. It's the one area where the Roman Empire was intolerant. And they said, basically, if you're going to be under our rule, Caesar is going to be your God. And that worked with every religious sect except the Jewish people. And the Jewish people would never succumb to that. It got so bad after decades of killings and intimidation, it finally got to the place where the Roman Empire said, okay, we're going to grant an exception with the Jewish people. Now watch how the timing of God is perfect. See, now all of a sudden the Jewish people, they don't have to proclaim Caesar as God. And here comes the birth of the baby Jesus. And for the first 70 years after the Christ child is born, after the death even of Jesus, the Roman Empire never did anything to distinguish between the Jewish people and Christianity. They thought that the Jews who were Christians, they were all in the same pot. And so until 70 years have gone by and we have the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, Christianity was being birthed and, and routed out in all of these communities and they were allowing these exemptions to take place and people to worship, to worship this Jesus. And all of a sudden in 70 AD, we know that they realized that Christianity and Judaism wasn't the same thing, but by this time it had taken root in the Roman Empire. And so even though they did their best, God had already orchestrated so much in his people that the, the, the story of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, coming into this world was already taking over at that point in time. And it was even a favorable political climate, if you can understand that. You see, Julius Caesar... Julius Caesar was probably the best known of the Roman emperors when he was assassinated. You have to understand, there was more civil war under the rule of Julius Caesar than any other Roman emperor. But at the close of his reign, especially as Augustus Caesar came to the throne, which was about 25 years before Jesus was born, all of a sudden peace broke out in the Roman Empire. For the next two centuries, the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, was the rule and the order of the day. And because of that peace, all kinds of things began to happen. Instead of the Roman Empire being at war, instead of going to battle all the time, they began to build roads, and, and travel became safe. And in fact, it was under Augustus Caesar at the time of Christ that they even began to take care of the safety of people that traveled on those roadways. Literally, the first highway patrol was born in ancient Rome, in ancient Israel. All of a sudden, it was safe to go back and forth and to travel and spread the good news and fulfill the great commission that was given. There was even a favorable cultural climate. And when I talk about that, I mean that all the language was the same for the first time since the Tower of Babel. Remember that tower was when all the peoples of the earth began to speak the same language, but their motives were wrong, and God gave, them, God gave them then different languages. 
Up, up from that time to, up to the time Jesus was born, all these different nations, they all spoke different tongues and different languages. But by the time Jesus is born, because of Alexander the Great, who was truly a world conqueror, because of Alexander the Great, everybody spoke a common Greek language. So the time that the Bible was written, you always, you always hear, how many times you hear me talk about Greek, right? All the New Testament was written in common Greek. And, and so every book, every book that Paul wrote was in common Greek. Every, every book that was written in the New Testament could be written in Greek, and everybody could pick it up and understand exactly what was said because of that one common language. Is that wouldn't be true today, would it? It wouldn't be true today. Today, if it was be written, we'd have to write Galatians and Ephesians in Turkish. We'd have to write Corinthians in Greek. So would Thessalonians the same way, but Romans would have to be in Italian. Hebrews would be in Hebrew. You would have all these different languages, and you and I would have to be scholars in order to understand the Word of God. Again, Christmas, it's all about timing in our lives. It's about the coincidences, the census, and going to Bethlehem, all those little circumstances. One of the greatest things about going to heaven, I think, is, is we're going to be able to see how God used the little things to bring about the big according to His purpose. And we can't see that right now. We look through that glass dimly. We don't, we don't understand so many times what is happening. This is, this is what God does. Christopher Columbus, discouraged one day, walked into a monastery. He was thirsty, so he went to that monastery for a drink of water. He sat down, and as he was, as he was being refreshed and drinking the water, an old monk listened to his story about how he wanted to go on an expedition to find another land. That monk listened to the story, and when it was all over, Christopher Columbus went on, but the old monk happened to be a personal friend of Queen Isabella. And he was the one who convinced her to finance the expedition of Christopher Columbus. And the discovery of America started with a drink of water in a monastery. God uses everything for his plans and his purpose. Abraham Lincoln out in the back of his store one day rummaging through an old barrel the story goes uh, he was almost done and he reached down and he felt a couple of books at the bottom of that barrel he pulled them out and when he pulled them out they were Blackstone's commentaries on the law and something happened to Abraham Lincoln that day he read those and he became a lawyer and it totally changed the direction of his life and then he got into politics and of course we know he became the president of the United States and the healer of the store of the Civil War that all started with him in one of life's little circumstances rummaging through a barrel. Circumstances, coincidences, I don't really believe that there are any. John Calvin was going down to Italy when war broke out. The road that he was going to take down to Italy was blockaded, so he went to Geneva. And anybody that studies the life of John Calvin knows that was a change in his life that literally has changed lives. George Whitfield in England, he was a bartender. He couldn't get along with his brother's wife. <laughs> and he owned the bar, but he left. And it was out of that experience that he turned to God and went to Oxford and became part of a holy club that included John Wesley and literally changed England and changed the world. You think your circumstances are happenstance? Five years ago, my time ended here as the senior pastor, and in God's perfect timing, Rusty Mott came here to be our pastor. 
And what a joy the last five years has been as we've watched our church grow and more so many more young people and families come into our church and it's in God's perfect timing that we now enter this year in anticipation of who God is going to bring to walk alongside us. To lead us from the platform, from the pulpit, to speak God's word to each of us so that we might continue to learn and to grow as we live as God's family together in this church that we call Crossroad. Now, I believe that this church is the answer to a calling. It's always been a calling. It will always be a calling. It'll either be accepted or defeated, but it remains no matter. It demands an answer. Just like Jesus Christ. We believe there's a mission here. I still believe this is a love story. It's always been a love story. How much God loves all of us and will take any of us, any old, poor reprobate, and create his family to move according to his purpose one day we're told this this time this age will come to an end in a moment in a twinkling the loud blast of a trumpet call the word says we're all going to be changed and the greatest gift ever given to mankind will return he was the gift that was worth waiting for then and he's a gift worth waiting for today. The question that I have is what will you do with that gift? Now, here's what John Maxwell said about God's timing nothing stays the same, doors open, doors close, options today become non negotiables tomorrow. No wonder the word of God says, seek the Lord while he may be found. If you would sit down and talk to Mary and all the things that were happening in her life at Christmas, she would look back and say, you know what? If there's anything that I learned about Christmas, when God speaks, don't miss the moment. When God speaks, don't miss the the moment this morning this is a simple message to remind all of us that God's plans are not our plans and sometimes that's heartbreaking sometimes that's incredibly difficult for us in our human state but God's plans are perfect his will is perfect and we don't want to miss out on what God... We, we come into this new year. It's just a marking on a calendar that's true. Because any moment, every moment, can be the end of the beginning and the beginning of the ending for you where your life with Christ is concerned. So I'm going to ask you this morning just to bow your heads. Just to bow your heads with me. Because I want to tell you what God's doing. God has a marvelous sense of timing and for somebody here this morning i believe today is the day in fact this is moment this moment is the is the moment where god is about to do i believe a new work in anyone's life who respond to him for some that might be a brand new moment for some it's been a journey and all of a sudden all of these things that we've gone through have been for this moment where we reach out and touch God and God 
touches us. I, I just wondered this morning if there will be someone that would say, Pastor, today is the day that I believe God wants to do a real work in my life. Today is the day where I'm going to let Him come in and fill me with His presence. Pastor, this is my moment. God is reaching out to me and I want to reach out to Him. I want to seize the moment, the timing with God. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if anyone in this room either needing to recommit at this time as we move into a new day and a new moment, recommit their life to Christ and to His plan and to His purpose, that you would just raise your hand up this morning. And for those that this morning, maybe for the first time, would understand that God does have a plan for you. God, God does have a purpose for you. And He created His Son. He created you that His Son would come into this world just for you, that you might have the opportunity on this day to raise your hand and, and to be prayed for and for you to pray because you want to know God and you haven't yet, but you don't want to miss this moment. Lord, this morning, I pray for each and every one here that has come to that place of decision in their lives. And, I, I, you know, I don't normally do this, but I'm, I'm just going to come down here and while we sing this closing song, Pastor Lyle and I are going to come up here. If anybody wants to come and have prayer, I just know that it's, you know, we, we get to this place where we look at the end of the year and, you know, we can talk about and think about all of the things about our lives and what's new and what do we need to do and, and, and we can leave out God. And yet God created his son, all of this for us where He sent His Son to die for us. But he was born that day so long ago in God's perfect, not Mary's. And the events of life that have happened to you most recently, they weren't yours maybe. But God's timing and God's plan are perfect. So we invite any that would come to come for that prayer time just to rededicate their lives or perhaps for the first time. We pray God's timing on each and every one in Jesus' name.